0: Hello, I'm Matt Rugless, and welcome to episode nine of my Cimarron, eighteen seventy-two podcast, where I read the letters that my great-great grandfather Henry Tinson, wrote. The bulk of this letter deals with the difficulties involved in working for the Maxwell Land Grant and Railway Company, and like an earlier letter, this one is also incomplete. There's no signature on the last page that I have. Java House, Cimarron, 27 January 1872 Dear Harold, Before I forget it, let me answer that part of your letter where you speak about Mr Davis. My opinion as to his coming out or anyone else doing so, much be gathered from my general tone. He and everyone else should decide for themselves. I should not at all like to have the responsibility of inducing a man to come here with a wife and family. This much I may say, that I think a tailor would get a good living if he were a hard-working man. As for land, it's cheap enough. Price could not be said until he saw and chose the place. But it is a great change to go from retail trading to farming in a new country. Reinhardt's mill has stopped several times by the flume or watercourse being out of order. I don't think it ever stopped from actual deficiency of water but I will ask him before I send this off. The Cimarron News will tell you of the weather we are having, but what do you think of 52 degrees of frost, 20 below zero? And when I stepped into the yard to look at the thermometer, the sharp morning air felt as if something were actually stinging my face, and the iron and paper almost paralysed your hand with its cold. It's a beautiful, calm evening now, and at 5.20 quite light, By 5.40 it will be almost dark. I can see, as I sit here, the snow clouds resting on the distant mountains, where indeed I dare say the snow is now falling. If I don't hear from Harpers before this is sent away I shall be disappointed. And I am very much so at not hearing anything of my counting-house romance. I quite approve of all the arrangements about paying King and so on. You can reimburse yourself out of any funds you may have if those I specially indicate are not sufficient. By this time, you have probably heard from Chambers' journal as to the success of my article, A Tale of Real Highwaymen. When you get the money for this, if ever, that must be paid into a separate fund, at the Birkbeck, if you like, or into any other suitable fund, as I intend my literary work, if successful, to be the means of bringing us home, Gilbert, I hope, being the first. I think Mr Christie will be leaving here in a month or six weeks, and I shall ask him to take charge of old Gill if he does. I'll tell you where I fancy the first house might be picked up cheap. In that neighbourhood which lies out towards Kilburn, following the lane which runs opposite the cemetery gates, nearly at Kensal Green. This is only thrown out as a conjecture. Mr Gray has arrived, and I think I shall like him very well. I think he is a plain, straightforward man. We are beginning de novo, starting from the commencement of Crowther's time. He thought he could finish the whole ledger, my accounts and Crowther's, in two days. I have been working with him almost to the exclusion of every other work ever since Tuesday morning. This is Saturday and we haven't finished one account, cash, of Crowther's time yet. But what was the use of sending out Mr Gray without powers to pay more? What do we want is money. "'Advice and independence are very well. "'But when we have only pretty forms, "'the Maxwell Land Grant and Railway Company must go to smash. "'Mr. Reed is very ill. There is no mistake about this. "'I doubt if he will be able to walk without a stick by this day twelve months. "'Perhaps he will never recover his strength again. "'Here is he, laid on his back. "'We owe Porter the banker money, but on the other hand he owes us for the stores.' Yet he can take his own time to pay us for them, or at any rate he has a long time secured by agreement. Our account at DS and Company is overdrawn, and a lot of drafts are now lying protected. We have plenty of money owing to us, but cannot get any for a good bit. Martin has gone to Denver on a desperate chance of discounting a $20,000 bill we hold. And with all this we are told from England that we cannot have any more money at present. And Mr. Grey comes over here with a flourish of trumpets from the Anglo-American Association to do nothing. Without the means of advancing us a penny. I tell you, things have been worse here than you fancy. Why, we bought a herd of horses off Mr. Hughes for $26,000, and about the same time, brought down with, or shortly after them, or come with Mr. Collison, a set of the most thievish, desperate, murderous scoundrels that ever, that even the frontier could show. Well, we've been paying about five hundred dollars a month for herding these horses ever since, besides a heap of contingent expenses, and we sold the lot back to Mister Hughes for fifteen thousand dollars. What do you think of that? Our cattle herd—I think I told you about briefly. It's this: we sold eighteen hundred to Doctor Longwell on the fifteenth of December. Pritchard counted them and found them right. On the 23rd of December there were 1,300 left, 500 having been stolen. Three quarters at Maxwell House for everyone, wine and whiskey and oceans, that's how the company has paid. At the same time I have no doubt that after all the concern will pay enormously, it must do so. But I want to show you that we are in great straits and will very likely come to a financial smash for it. You will see by the news that we've had a puma and her cubs prowling around here lately. If I can hear of our party going after them, I think I will go too. Flo seems to pick up Mexican quickest here. She calls Urban a tronto and a burro, fool and ass, beautifully. She is a female Hercules. I think her almost the strongest girl I ever saw, and witty and full of ridiculous tricks as any Mary Andrew. She has set up five nights running this week with Mrs. Sloane, who has been dangerously ill with erysipelas. Len is day nurse, now Walter is down again with rheumatism, attended with fever. Being different, I take it to rheumatic fever. When am I to hear what horse I have backed for the derby, or whatever it is? I am so long without hearing from Alexandra Motel that I, I believe some of my letters must have miscarried. My yearly account from Alex is nearly due now, I'm sorry to hear he's been a loser by Paul Milne's spec in building matters, and Joe too, to lose 50 pounds, besides all that he does for his relations in other ways. It's a thousand hertz. It's natural for Mike to try to improve his position, but I'm afraid by his repeated experiments that building without a shilling of capital to begin with is not destined to make his fortune. In an earlier episode, I think I referred to one of Henry's stories for Chambers' journal as Country House Romance. His writing is a little clearer in this letter, so I can see that it is actually Counting House Romance. And, despite his misgivings, it was published, the first episode appearing on the 2nd of March, 1872. I have, however, found no record of A Tale of Real highwaymen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to be sure of not missing an episode and maybe leave a review. Thank you.